Well, Moffat is my name. I have a hobby. I like to cook, but I also like to polish my head. <laughs> and it shines. So it's me and Ezekiel there. You know, that's one of my hobbies. It's been an amazing journey. We, we, we waited like five months before we could finally hit the road and just, you know, come over here to spend time with uh, Susan and Jason. And uh, it's, it's been great. It's been great. You know, visas are never easy, but we had to go through the right process in order to, to get here. And I also want to take some time to just appreciate uh, uh, your generosity as, as View Church Mionaton. We are settling in very well. Our kids are at an incredible school. We love our neighborhood. And we've been setting up our home and we're almost there. But that is because you've been so generous. So can you give yourselves a hand? That is so good. That is so good. If you are coming here for the first time, you've been greeted by a huge vision statement in the cafe. And what does it say? We are here... That's right. That's, that's good. That's good. That's good. And I've been given a task to, to, to conclude on freedom because we, we've done knowing God and now we're doing freedom, finding freedom with a very special bias on relationship. That's my bias. And I'm going to read First John chapter 4. So I'm not going to read the whole passage, but the imperative that comes from that passage is that we should love one another. And that imperative comes from the fact that God is love. So verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. There is something about us that is different from just me. It is talking about community. Now, I just want to warn you, I'm that guy who likes amens. If I say hallelujah, you say amen. Can you respond? I mean, this is my first sermon. You got to encourage me. It's never easy to be up here. Come on, people. So we're talking about relationships because the secret of real life does not lie in possessions, nor does it lie in achievements, nor does it lie in experiences. It lies in relationships. And we live in a world in which it's getting more and more difficult to have real relationships with people. We live in a world that's moving so quickly That people are here today and gone tomorrow. They're leaving South Africa, going to the UK, to Australia, seeking for better opportunities in order to secure a future that is better for their children. Amongst other things, fashion and language are changing so fast that there's a fashion update every six months. Language is changing so fast that two young people Five years apart can find it very difficult to communicate. They belong to two different generations, just at five years gap. Yeah. 
It's not unknown for a group of people to get together and all to complain afterwards that no one was friendly. And what they are saying is, I can't communicate. I can't connect. I can't relate. And I wish I could tell you the story is different for us Christians, but the stubborn fact is that we are all dealt within the mess. And because of this, there is a genuine cry of the human heart for relationships. I want to be related to people properly. I want to touch them. I want to communicate and be together with them. And that's why the word love is so much sung and talked about these days. More than half the popular songs, you know, they're talking about a craving for a love and a relationship that's not going to hurt in the end. They want it to be long. And darling, I be loving you till we're 70. You see, they want that. We love the sound of that because it's an ideal that looks so far-fetched. Now, in that situation, in that total context where people are, are out of touch with one another and trying to get back in touch with each other, in that situation, I have a message of three words. God is love. And the trouble is that we've been so used to these words that they no longer cause us to have goosebumps. You didn't jump out of your seat. You just throw your hands in the air and say, yeah. Or maybe like Jason, you know, last week, you know. Because we've been so used to these words. I might as well have, have said, Mary had a little lamb. Fleece was. And it's just a cliche. It's just another platitude. But you see, this is an incredible statement because there is no other religion as far as I know that makes that statement. There has never been another God of whom it was ever said that that God is love. Nor can it be said of any human being that that person is love. Only of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ can it ever be said that God is love. Supposing I paraphrase that statement and say, God is togetherness. You begin to get the shock of that statement because it tells you that there is more to the statement. God is togetherness. See, long before there was a universe, long before there were any human beings to love, God was then love. And here's a bold statement. Real love does exist. And it's there. And as we grope for it, we are not chasing after the wind. It really does exist. And all of our cries and pleas for love are not to be eternally frustrated. God is love. Aren't you excited about that? And we have discovered from his word, which, which is given to us as a self-revelation, talking about himself, that God is actually more than one person. That he is, in fact, if you like, and I'm using terms simply groping after the truth, that God is a family. Ephesians 3, 15 says that every family on earth, in heaven and on earth, 
is named after God, meaning that this whole concept of family or community or togetherness actually comes from him. He's the origin. He invented it. God is a family, a very close family. And I suppose the closest we can get in natural relationships is a marriage between a man and a woman who bond so much that they, they, they finish each other's sentences, you know. They think alike. You know, you come, darling, I'm thinking that maybe we should give our Porsche to so-and-so. And you know what? I was thinking the same, you know, because they've grown so much and they've bonded and they've been together and they are one to the point where we no longer refer to them as Jason and Susan, but we say the renders, you know. But this relationship that, we, that I'm talking about in God, it's closer than anything we can imagine because in God there is a father and a son. And the son always loved the father and the father always loved the son. And there's the third person too, the spirit. And the spirit always loved the father and the son. And the, son, the father and the son always loved the spirit. And it's a tight circle of relationship, a relationship of love. So, if you ever get cynical and say, I don't believe there's such a thing as genuine, disinterested love, then maybe you've had a sad experience of life. Or maybe you you had a rough upbringing, or maybe you grew up seeing your parents arguing and fighting all the time until you grew up yourself and inherited the same unfortunate reality. I came to report to you this morning That there is real love. Somewhere in the universe, in the heart of the God who created it, there is love. There always has been, there always will be. Now, let's take it a little further. Is there a chance of my breaking into that that tight circle? Is there a chance, as it were, of me taking the hands of father and son and separating them and saying, let me in on this. Can I have real relationships? Could I get in on the act? Can I share this thing? I've got even better news for you than that this morning. And it is that father and son stretched out their hands and said, we want you to share this. How amazing is that? As much as to say that God, who is himself a perfect family, was saying, let's have a bigger family. Let's expand this thing. Let's share this love. And I suppose God created man because he wanted more people to bring into the circle. So that the circle expands and the love is poured out and shared. So it was God's will that he should have many sons and daughters. You know, because you got to be politically correct these days, you know. (laughs) Sons and daughters... And that the, the son that he always had should only be the firstborn. And God is so determined to expand this circle that even when humanity sinned against him, we rebelled against God in an act of disobedience by one man. Sin entered the world. But God is so determined that he reached down to pick us up in our mess. 
So if you ever look for a definition or description of Christianity, Christianity is God coming down to pick us up when we did not deserve it. There was nothing lovable about us. Nothing could attract him to us. But he reached down and he picked us up. This is why the first and most important relationship that must be in place is our relationship with God. A restoration back to what it was meant to be. Because it's a beginning of freedom. That's what begins a life of freedom. Galatians 5 says, It is for freedom that Jesus Christ, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, listen. A holy God must punish sin. His holiness is so upright that it is determined to eradicate anything short of his standard. So God's problem was that he loved sinners, but he hated the sin. But a holy God cannot condone sin, you see? How was he going to separate the sin from the people that he loved? What did he do? His answer to this dilemma was that he sacrificed the one son that he always had in order to bring back the many sons and daughters into the circle, which is called reconciliation. And the death of Christ has purchased our freedom from the bondage of Satan. And his love comes into our hearts and it reorders our affections so that they are, they are they directed towards him now. And we begin to love what he loves. We begin to desire what, he's, what he desires. And we become actually attractive even to other people. But why does he do it? Why does he save the individual? Why does he save them? It is because once this relationship is restored, what, what you need to now restore the relationship amongst people. That is why relationship with God Secondly, it's relationships with people. And this is where we're going to camp a little bit. As you may realize, we have camped on freedom in this series because it is the heartbeat of this church. It tells you a lot about the heart of your pastors, your your lead pastors, that they want to see people free. They want you to get it right. And this time we're focusing on relationships. Because when we cultivate meaningful relationships and create an environment that fosters such relationships, we are actually reflecting who God is because he's a God of relationships. And I'm not for a moment trying to say that all will be rosy and it will just be fine because we are all Christians, we love God and we love each other. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's going to get messy. We'll get messy because you see, There are people at this level in their walk with Christ, and there are others up here, and we're all striving for perfection in this journey of sanctification. And sometimes there can be toxic relationships and and, and as well as healthy relationships. But what you need to do is avoid toxic relationships and embrace healthy relationships. 
So I'm going to talk briefly about, about that. I hope it's brief. Hey. Rather than describing to you what a toxic relationship is, uh, let's just look at a passage in 2 Samuel 13. Reading from verse 1. We'll just read enough to get us into the cracks of the story. Now David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. He was a, she was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother Shimea. Now, long story short, this guy, Amnon goes to this friend of his, and he says, I'm having these feelings this is what I'm desiring. I know it's, it's, it's wrong. He was lusting after his sister. But this guy had a chance to turn him around and correct, put him on the right path so that he makes the right decision. But he ended up advising him to devise a plan that ended up, this Amnon ended up raping his own half-sister. And the story goes from bad to worse because he, Amnon was killed in the end. Jonadab was a toxic friend. He is toxic. And both of them must have been toxic because birds of a feather flock together. (laughs) And I want to challenge you this morning because even in our circles as Christians, as believers, who are already inside this circle, sometimes we get toxic. We can get toxic so very easily. Because a toxic friend is that one who instigates you towards the wrong passions. It's that one, instead of controlling, helping you see it clearly, they actually encourage you all the time and cheer you on while you're trying to do something very, very bad. So here are some test test questions. (laughs) When you think about the various relationships that you have, ask yourself, do they always agree with you? If it's a friend, whether it's a friend or, you know, a significant other, you know, I don't know what that is, a significant other or anybody in your life, a relationship that you value, do they always agree with you? Because if they do, it could be that they're actually encouraging you in the wrong path. We are not perfect people. We need people to actually help us spot the blind spots and help us to actually look in the right direction and move forward in the right direction. You can't always be right. We are all striving for perfection at different levels. So if people agree with me all the time and say, hey, you know, then maybe they are actually enabling me to continue in a destructive path. Do they care about my well-being? Because you see, this guy, Jonadab, he was friends with the friend's feelings instead of being friends with the friend's future. Now, that's how you use the letter F, hey. <laughs> friends with the friend's feelings rather than friends with the friend's future. And that is so, so, it can be so destructive. 
You go to a person and you want them to help you deal with an issue and they say, well, well you know, you explain to them, well, you know, I've been struggling. I want to stop smoking weed. And they say, oh, no, weed is from the earth. It's just herbs. It's just, it's like paprika or lemon and herbs, you know. It comes from the earth and God created the earth. That is toxic. Toxic right there. The other question, can this relationship lead to freedom in Christ? Because we have shackles, we have issues, weights that we pick up along in life. And these weights can limit your range of motion. You can go to heaven, but it will limit your range of motion and effectivity in the things of God. In your freedom, it will limit you. You cannot spend... And someone said, I'm getting ahead of myself. Someone said, no, 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 but Jesus ate with sinners. You know, we, we need to hang out with sinners and so that they can see the light. But Jesus had an objective. He wanted to win people, bring them closer to God. Because here's the thing. You cannot consistently spend time with ungodly people and hope to maintain your, a vibrant functional relationship with God. Light that is continually surrounded by darkness is in danger of losing its brilliance. It may not go off, but it will become dim because there isn't anything coming in to push you forward so that you can live a life of freedom. So think about that. Think about that. Family is chosen for you, but when it comes to friends, you are responsible. As the saying goes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Secondly, embrace healthy relationships. Now, there's just a story before the the one we read in chapter 13. Most of you are familiar with the story, so we won't won't read it. But it's just, it's about uh, David when he sinned. He he committed adultery with a a, a woman who was married. And... uh, because he didn't want people to find out what had happened because he, he got her pregnant and uh, he, he decided to murder her husband. And he covered it up. He did it so nice, you know, no nice, so nicely. And then God sent a messenger to David, his friend Nathan. And Nathan got to David and told him, dude, you are the fool. You are the sinner. You have done wrong, and God will punish you for what you have done. He told him like it is. Now, I know that there's a thin line many times between speaking the truth in love and telling somebody off. But you see, when love is genuine, when you speak in love and you know the person you're talking to, and it's a healthy relationship, love can be discerned. Why am I talking about love when I'm talking about relationships? Because love is the bedrock. It's the bedrock. Your relationships with people depend on how much love, the love of God that you have received and then dispense it. Because that is how we we actually reflect the nature of God. He's the God of love and he wants us to walk in love. Amen? Amen? Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses 
In other words, if you are seeing somebody going down a destructive path and you are just cheering them on because you, you want so much, you, you want them to be happy all the time, you are actually an enemy because you are multiplying kisses instead of telling them to come back into the right direction. By the way, when I look at you, I don't know many people here. I'm just looking. Hey. So this is good, actually. Hey. (laughs) I'm still getting to know people, so I'm not talking about anybody specifically, you know. Speaking about healthy relationships, Chris Hodges says, you rarely have, have success living out your faith and exercising your spiritual freedom if it's just you and God. He made us in his, own, in his own image as relational beings. So it's no surprise that change in us in the con- it happens in, in, in the context of our relationships. And your freedom depends on those relationships. All of us face moments when we don't know how to keep going forward. I have a friend, my best friend back in Zambia where I come from. Last year, sometime last year, I was busy just doing my thesis and putting everything together, you know. And then I received a phone call from my mother and she said, you know, your friend called me and he asked me to pray for you and to also tell you to start praying because he senses that there is an attack that is about to come your way. And if you don't pray and raise, just stand up in prayer and begin to pray and declare the word of God, it might hit you hard. And I took it seriously because I know my friend, my wife is my witness there, Naomi. Oh, by the way, that's Naomi. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, babe. Sorry, babe. You know I love you. Yeah. So, <laughs> my bad. She's my witness. Two weeks after that, boom, something hit us real hard. And you know what? I had the fortitude to face it, even though it was so overwhelming. But I was not going to make it if I hadn't stood up in prayer and prepared my spirit for the attack. But here's the thing. This is a healthy relationship because my friends, who's thousands of kilometers away from here, was able to stand in the gap and hear what God has to say, see in the spirit and actually pray for me. And I'm standing here because of that. Amen? That's a healthy relationship. And that's why we're encouraging you, we're encouraging everybody, find yourself in a life group. Get with, real with people. Let them help you grow in your faith because you can't do life alone. Let's do it in community so that God's love is perfected in us. Amen. So here's a few test questions again. Is there someone I need to reach? Ask yourself, is there someone I need to reach? I mentioned in the, in the morning service, the earlier service was still morning, hey. I mentioned how I was blessed by Anita. Is it Dutoy? Yeah, I was, that's how you say it. Yeah. Yeah. Anita reached out to me and she came to just find out, how are you doing? How are you settling in? Is everything okay? And then she went on very nicely, you know, very gently. She said, would you like to join our prayer group? You know? And I was so encouraged that somebody actually cares and they think I can add some value. It blessed my heart that somebody reached out to me. 
And, you know, even if I've, I've got countless things to balance up, I will spend time just, just to check it out, you know, just to see what they do when they meet together. Am I building others up within my circle? Because sometimes, even as Christians, we can get to have negative energy. You come to a group and you're just negative, just negative, you know? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to tithe, like, you know, so, so this tithe thing, I just do my own thing, you know, because the Bible, this is a New Testament, you know? And somebody can just bring your energy down. Are you that kind of friend? Because you could be toxic, you know? You could be toxic, you know? Just check, check. Check yourself. Am I building others up in my circle? Am I eager to see those around me living in freedom? Those are serious questions. Life, the life of freedom in Christ was designed to be a shared life with other believers. Fellowship with other believers nurtures and maintains our growth. And that is why I want to suggest a few things in conclusion, finally. As you know, preachers, we've got so many finalies. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this is finally, finally. Some practical steps to cultivating meaningful relationships. Number one, be intentional. You may be, you may be coming, you know, you may be new into this Christian thing and church life, or you may be further along in the journey, but there's always a next step. You need to position yourself, find yourself at a place where there are people, go into the cafe, just that cafe makes a statement about this church that we love relationships. They need to be cultivated, you know. So it takes intentional effort. Secondly, pray for the right opportunities to engage with people, to find time and just be with them. Thirdly, realize there's an enemy that will work against anything you try to build up. The devil hates this. He hates it. That's the real enemy. And he'll throw anything at you to deter you from actually doing what God wants, which is to reflect his image by including others into the circle. Amen? Finally, as you stand to your feet, overcome the fear of disappointment. Sometimes as Christians, we, we hurt each other. And maybe some of you have been to other churches where you were, you were investing and you were loving these people and you had this relationship and you invested so much into, the, into that relationship but they ended up betraying you and stabbing you in the back and it hurt so bad that you just gave up on relationships. I want to dare you today that you can overcome that fear of, of disappointment. Hallelujah. So somebody just reach out to God and say, Lord, where am I? Let him help you see where you're at as it relates to relationships with people. Because your freedom, your sanctification depends on how well you connect with people. Amen?